0: Hello, welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin, and I'm here with my co host Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're talking about Captain Marvel.
1: Your life began the day it nearly ended. We found you. With no memory, we made you one of us. So you could live longer, stronger,
0: superior. You were reborn.
1: This is a superhero action movie
0: directed by Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck.
1: The cast includes Envy Adams, Norlin Sorrento, Nick Caged Fury, and Jude the Law. Law.
0: I watched this movie at an AMC private screening.
1: Oh, you're so fancy.
0: Yes. And uh, how did you see it, Joey?
1: I just saw it in theaters. I actually had to sit in like the front row and listen to people like, near the front and like listen to people chew popcorn. And there was a fight that broke out at the end of the movie. People people were yelling yelling at each other. Just typical movie theater experience. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. (laughs) I want to hear more about that. But first, let's get into the synopsis.
1: A woman discovers she had the power within her all along.
0: Yes, uh, that's that's Captain Marvel. So we're going to get right into it with the pros. So number one pro, I mean, you don't even have to see the movie to know this, but Marvel's first female-led superhero movie, um, it's about time, It's uh, and we'll get more into that because I think that's a really important aspect when you're talking about this movie, is women's representation in film, and uh, this is definitely a huge step forward. It also can, this movie contains a lot of women's empowerment um, from, you know, showing you to, or well, to portraying um, how good it is to be a good example to your daughter, to standing up to men, to not even needing a um, a romantic interest for women to be their own characters in this film. Uh, Not a lot of romantic, not a lot of romance going on at all in this film, which is fine. It's... Yeah, and
1: I mean, most of your heroes are women, I mean, Captain Marvel is, and then her, like, mentor right the scientist from the other planet she was a woman um and then her pilot friend she was also a woman so
0: yeah, yeah. so yeah good representation good women's empowerment funny at times there's definitely some of uh, like marvel movies tend to some kind little of
1: chuckles in there
0: yeah well marvel movies tend to like go between this like more dramatic and serious and then some of the lighthearted and funny this one was definitely on the light-hearted and funny <laughs> side which i think was good uh and the special effects were spectacular. Uh, it's there's obviously a lot of money spent on making those scenes look good, and I think that that money is well spent, uh, or at least they got their money's worth. It's very the special effects are amazing. Jude Law is extremely handsome in this movie as he always is. So no complaints there. That's a very big pro for me. And I think just in general, kind of the vibe of this movie is it's cool without taking itself too seriously, which is a, a way that I come away I, I come away feeling that way uh, from a lot of Marvel films. So this is consistent with that. Yeah.
1: With that. Um, for me, there were some really interesting and trippy visuals. Um, this is very a very pretty movie, and there's lots of top-tier action that you come to expect from Marvel and you know uh, their compatriots. Brie Larson is charming and fun, and Nick Fury gets um, some much-needed spotlight. I mean, he's kind of been a background character in all these movies, and finally he's kind of in center stage or at least supporting actor, which is um, kind of nice. He, he did a great job. And there is exactly one really good twist.
0: There is, which it makes it... I don't know, that, that's always interesting to have something like that. A lot of people say that superhero movies are super predictable, and it's nice when they kind of throw you a light curveball like they did in this one. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, So, stuff that I didn't like, my cons. Um, I felt like it was predictable, just like you said. Very formulaic. I mean, it is a, a superhero origin story. Um, it quickly runs into the Superman problem, which I'll get to a lot later. Um, the stakes for this movie are very low. And it really does feel like the movie is compensating for
0: something, yeah, I don't think I think we know what you mean by compensating, but, yeah, I agree. There's like little to no character development for our hero. Like we basically find out who she is, but throughout the movie she her motivations don't really change. She's always kind of she starts out as a good person, whether she remembers that or not, and then she continues to be a good person exactly um so additionally, there were certain parts of the movie to, to me just felt kind of clunky, especially when it was like regular people who have never seen aliens or anything like that. Not really reacting the right way to, to space stuff. Like the, uh, the guy, the mall cop who, yeah, it's kind of funny where he's like, Oh, uh, you know, like go to radio shack, you know, <laughs> which is again, that's like lighthearted comedy and stuff, but he waits until the morning to call the cops. It was like, Why? yeah it, it was it just did because she lands and it's definitely the middle of the night and then nick fury and them don't show up until the next the whole next day and she's still there it's like huh you know and then <laughs> the the fighting on the train which again another moment of like comedy which like when the old lady <laughs> she punches the old lady in the face that was hilarious and everyone's <laughs> reactions are like oh you know like but then the old lady starts doing acrobatics and kicking Brie Larson around, and ev- yeah. but everyone still is like, "No, like Brie Larson, you can't beat up an old woman." Even though this old woman is clearly not a normal old woman, she's going crazy. So, right, and, and then they enter yeah. like the next train over, and everyone is just silent again. Like there's a lot of, it just seems like a a crowd that is in a movie instead of a real life crowd where people would be running a riot if they just saw that, right? so um yeah. she also well, it
1: reminds me of like um what's his name shane black and whenever he directs movies he always like puts a lot of emphasis on the like the small characters the little moments of the like the people in the background and stuff the people that like he gives them kind of a, a a tiny bit a little bit of dialogue that kind of makes them human and it, gives, it brings you back into the real world and you're like ah like you know this person's a real person and he's reacting to it the way i would react to it it's kind of nice and um yeah, I, I, think, I think you can make the argument that it kind of breaks the fourth wall in some aspects, but I feel like it, in some ways, grounds the movie in a big way, but this, that doesn't really happen in this one.
0: I agree. It's just, obviously, you're supposed to be focusing on Captain Marvel, and you do, but it, it's... It kind of takes the realism away. I know it's a superhero movie. It's not supposed to be realistic or whatever. But this doesn't seem like something that you have to cut out of the realism, right? There's plenty sure. of other ways that you can suspend your disbelief. You don't have to make it so that humans are kind of just like NPCs.
1: Yeah, well, I feel like a lot of the movie is kind of rushed. There's a lot of it that's like they have to get to every single point, you know, and they, they, they don't linger very much on anything. Um, I guess they're kind of hoping that people will take the time to pause and read or, you know, pause and try to figure it out, it, you know, because it's not there's not a lot of time for you to figure out exactly what it says on her dog tag. It's not a lot of time for you to see what's in the file, you know. It's just like, oh, here it is, here it is. Um, and then they move to the next thing.
0: Right, exactly. Like show, Especially, yeah, the dog tag. Like, they show you the verse part of the dog tag so many times. It's like, yeah. okay, we get it. But <laughs> you're, you're also, I understand these movies are kind of... Uh, Marketed to kids as well, so I get making the story easy to follow. They, they obviously they repeat certain things a couple of times. Like you heard, um, the technology that the scientist was working towards was supposed to end wars. This is supposed right. to end. War- hey, hey, ending <laughs> wars. Okay, that's what we're Have working. Have you heard it's going to end
1: a war? Right.
0: <laughs> so. Yeah, that can seem a little bit uh, clunky to hear that so many times, but also I can see the necessity behind establishing that that that's what you're going for. So I don't know if it's necessarily a con, but one more just breaking the immersion or like unnecessary weirdness was, remember the guy who, um, he isn't the one, like one of the aliens turns into him, but he's still himself, obviously. And he gets off the train and Captain Marvel like grabs his shoulder and like turns him around. How about the fact that he stays completely silent and is just like, turns back around and keeps walking it's like dude at least be like hey what the heck you
1: know or say uh, or something. Like, hey can i help you like sure
0: but instead he just silently turns around looks at her and then silently turns back around and keeps walking it's like okay maybe this guy is an alien what's going on here so just little things like that it was um mostly early in the film, once we got into like it's superhero mode, I, I I think a lot of my criticisms fell off, but especially in the establishing. Oh, it's also, and this happens in any movie where you're in a big series, so I get it. But in the early in the film, when they're going on that mission, we'll, like all these people who are, you know, they know each other are saying some pretty obvious stuff about the organization that they're in and that and the, love the that. plan they're about to do. And they're trying to disguise it as like, you know, organic dialogue, but it's definitely all just, Plot exposition.
1: Well, there was that one part where they're on the train, right? And um, and yeah, uh, she she's asking about the supreme intelligence, um, and uh, he said uh, Jude Law says something along the lines like, "You know this, right?" It's blank, blank, blank. <laughs> I'm just like, "Oh my god!"
0: Right, and, and that's hard, to avoid. That's hard to avoid. You know this. Why should I have to explain it? Exactly, it's hard to avoid. But <laughs> let it's, me explain. you that's the the writer's job is to figure out a good way to do it, and I, I think this one was that setting the stage for this one, the whole first act just a little bit clunky uh, sure but okay let's move into our overall section and basically what i think uh this movie is is marvel studios giving the people what they want while also taking the training wheels off of captain marvel in order to set up avengers endgame so i, I captain marvel is If you've seen this movie, you know she's obviously very, very, very powerful and is probably going to play a pretty big role in Endgame. So they had to have a way to bring her in. And obviously they got to add her late game because if she's already in the mix earlier than this, potentially she's affecting everyone else's movies and making it so we don't really need the other superheroes, something like that. So... The movie itself is pretty much par for the course. Sticks to the Marvel origin story formula. It's funny. It's it's you know it's it's a fun ride, uh, but it's definitely not groundbreaking uh in many ways except for the uh diverse representation that we get in this movie and that's what i'm saying when that's that's what i mean when i say that marvel is giving the people what they want because despite what you might hear from like neck beards on on the internet on the internet with, or whatever right uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> two dudes hosting a podcast people- uh, uh random tangent i need to shave Oh, my God. Okay. Despite what you might hear that, like, internet dudes are saying that we don't want a a female-led movie, I think that we actually do. I think the public at large really... It was demanding to see some, some representation for women in the MCU. And, and Marvel was like, you know what? We're going to give it to you. And that this is what that is. And they definitely do lean into that and promote women's empowerment and uh, representation for not just women, but also minorities in a big way in this film. So I think that, that that's what Marvel was going for. And they definitely put that in here.
1: Yeah, I, I 100% agree with what you're saying. But I also feel like, oh, it's like too little too late in a way like why is it taking this long for this to happen There's, do these studios really think that people are re- are that resistant to like a female superhero that they have to introduce her literally like the second to last movie in this like big series you know they spend all this time introducing all these other characters a lot of the characters are very similar you know like think about like Iron Man and Doctor Strange they're kind of like almost the exact same thing, so one's about science and one's about magic there's so many things in there that are identical. And they even had a female character that deserves her own movie, which is Black Widow. And imagine like the the weird like psychological drama behind like Black Widow's training and how she became like this Russian spy who's like can't trust anyone. Like that would have been fascinating. And Scarlett Johansson's a fantastic actor. She could definitely hold her own. So like why is it taking so long for this movie to come out and why is this movie so like egregiously like circle jerking itself about everything and that's like my biggest problem with this is that this movie really only is interesting in the grand context of the marvel universe from the very beginning you're launching the movie with hardly any context hardly any establishing um you just have to kind of go with it but if you've seen a lot of marvel movies you're you're really used to it so it's not like that's not really much of a criticism um but a lot of the other movies do kind of set up their own stories. They all try, try to tell something a little bit different, right? Like people always say um, uh, Captain America, the second one, uh, Winter Soldier was like a spy thriller or like um, Ant-Man is kind of like a comedy. Um, you know, they have all these different aspects to them that kind of uh, are different, different genres that are bleeding into the superhero genre, which makes it interesting and keeps you engaged. Whereas this is just like another superhero origin movie. And it's like we're still kind of burnt out on those honestly like I, I don't feel like I need another one of those, and yet I mean this is exactly what you get they're what they're doing is they're playing it safe they're saying, oh, we need another you know superhero and we need to make her super strong and she needs to be a woman, so let's just give her this you know standard movie you know cut and paste let's just make it like that like what's interesting I think that makes it, what I think makes this movie not interesting is that there are no stakes really as soon as um as soon as like that first scene uh, where she gets captured happens like after that i was not at all ever worried for carol danvers i i never was once thinking oh how is she gonna get out of this one like when she gets captured right and she has that she, they're doing stuff to her brain I'm like oh man she's gonna they're gonna mess her up like she's gonna start thinking she's gonna have false memories or something well that
0: that part was really cool i like the technology that they're using to like dig through her memories because you could hear them like talking and they transport her to a different part of her right and then her memories would
1: kind of get corrupted about how like how where she was standing or what they were saying and stuff and they could like zoom in on certain things that was that was interesting and i was like oh is the rest of the movie gonna be like flashbacks like this because that would have been kind of cool it's trippy but then she just goes all rick sanchez and totally gets out of it in like the like this crazy way she's like oh i'm just gonna like you know wake up and start blasting my way out. And she does and she, nothing can stop her. It was and interesting
0: like, that they didn't remove any of her like soldier suit thing cuz remember yeah, right? later in that escape she blows a hole in the spaceship but she's ready to go because she's got her helmet that deploys. It's like good thing they left that on her.
1: Yeah. And there's nothing like I was trying to be like very cognizant of when she was like knocked down. Like what what was what would it take for her to be stopped? You know, like, what is her limit on this? And you see this in, like, any good action scene where, like, the, the bad guy gets a few good licks in, right? He, like, your hero's like, oh, he's knocked to the ground. How's he gonna get out of this one? But in this one, like, sometimes maybe she's, like, held up for a few minutes. Sometimes maybe she gets, like, some people sneak up on her. But other times it's just like, oh, you know, she can defeat 20 guys in the hallway. It's totally fine. And I'm, I like, I think that's great. I think it's great that they Show her as being super powerful. But if you're going to do that in a movie, you have to like give her something to fight against, something that's equally as strong, something equally as powerful. And if you think about her in context with Thanos, then, yeah, sure, that makes sense because she has to fight Thanos eventually, right? And Thanos is super powerful. I'm not even sure how that's supposed to work, but, you know, he kind of has the same problem that she does well
0: we'll find out when that movie happens right now we're right. in so, this movie. so
1: this movie is saved by the fact that it's part of that larger universe but within this own movie it, the, there's nothing in there that even poses as this tiniest bit of a threat to her right the, the coolest part i thought was near the end when she was blowing through the spaceships and she like went straight through a spaceship and blew the whole thing up that was awesome but like that's what it takes, right? Like <laughs> you have a spaceship full of people, uh, versus one person in space. Like give me the, make me afraid that she's going to lose. Make me afraid that she can't quite do it. And then show me make her overcoming that. That's what I want to see. That's what I think makes a story compelling. What makes it interesting, makes you care about your characters. If if she's never in danger, then it's like, why, why do I care?
0: Right. But it, it wasn't necessarily The only time I ever felt threatened or nervous for the outcome wasn't if I thought that Carol Danvers was going to get hurt. It was if somebody close to her was going to get hurt. If they were going to kill, you know, when the aliens were there and they're like, were they going to kill her friend's daughter or kidnap her or whatever? Or are they going to um, on the train? She can't use her powers because she might hurt one of the uh, NPCs. So it's. Those are the only yeah. times you really felt any sort of tension in a conflict between her and anybody because she's obviously powerful enough to take on basically anything.
1: Right. And I mean, that, what you said is exactly right. And what I think my favorite part of the movie is the twist that the Skrulls are actually like refugees and that Carol has been kind of brainwashed into joining the Kree. I like that twist a lot. It reframes what you thought you knew. And thinking back about the movie and like the earlier scenes, there are scenes where like the Kree are coming out of the water, right? And they have those suits on. They look super creepy. It's like, oh, like, you see that they're actually the bad guys. And the, the whole movie was kind of um, giving you the idea that they were kind of the bad guys. And they introduced Ronan, the accuser, who is one of the bad guys in um, Guardians of the Galaxy, right? And um, so they, they do a lot of things to kind of hint at, oh, these are the bad guys. These are the bad guys. Um, but, of course, there's no way for, for her to, to know that. But I, I do like that twist. I think the twist works really well. And, you know, what you just said is right. Like, there's... And you now have this fragile species that's on the verge of extinction. So running from space conquistadors, and that makes it feel real. It makes it, like, raises the possibility of danger. But what this also does is it removes the scrolls as villains, which I feel like is kind of a waste because when you have you can write some really crazy and trippy like dramas if you have shapeshifters in your like lineup. Not right? to
0: mention that your superhero who's OP can't just go around obliterating everybody because she's not right. sure
1: who's who. But she does. She she walks into the train, the fr- and she's looking at every person and then she sees the old lady and she knows that she's a scroll. How do, how how does she know?
0: Uh, because right before that the scroll like tapped that lady's shoulder as she was walking off the train and she walked right past Captain Marvel. Which
1: Oh, so wait, the old lady saw Oh, so she saw the old lady outside and she recognized right. that she was out there. Right. Uh, okay. So there is an explanation okay, that.
0: behind that because No, I, I believe that so it, it, that makes sense. But again, it, they, there was a lot of potential in the whole, like, figuring out who the scrolls are, but yes. they always figure it out so easy. Like- <laughs> right. And then to
1: make them the good guys removes that danger altogether, right? right. And it, it like you're like, oh, I can trust these guys. Like, uh, if a species has the ability to deceive on a level that, like, that good, you have to believe that they can do it in many, many ways, right? Like, they have different levels of deception that they can breach. And not just that they can look like other people, they can act like certain people, they can implant memories or something. Like, whatever they can do, there's, there's an extrapolation of deceit that they could play with, which I think would be really, really powerful and really interesting. And just like you said, like, you know, if your superhero is her various things that she could just blast anyone into space whenever she wants. Maybe make that something that she has to hesitate about, and maybe that makes it more interesting.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's just like that episode of Rick and Morty. What was right, that called
1: again? Um, something about the the parasites that like infect their memories, right? Right,
0: right. And that's the thing. They are parasites. They are a infestation. Mm-hmm. And again, I know the scrolls are good. We don't want to, but from our initial reaction, they were this really intriguing villain or yes. or force of evil because of that deception. And even the uh, the Scree or uh, yeah I'm the Cree right. the Cree yes Scree uh, <laughs> the Cree were saying it in that same kind of attitude where they were like they could be anywhere they could be you know they they can spread we need to like if they're still there they're still a threat we need to get rid of them wherever we know that they are that's yeah a compelling I guess way to look at it but at the same time in this ever expansive universe that's full of aliens. Plenty of them, I'm sure, are dangerous. Are you just going to take out all of the dangerous aliens? Like they're just going to be annihilating planet after planet? Uh, I don't know.
1: Yeah, well, I mean that's the thing is like they were, the scrolls represented this existential threat because of their ability to look like anything. Uh, which is yeah just i think that's pretty interesting i'll
0: I'll give you one thing though one of my favorite bits of dialogue was when they're asking uh one of like i I forgot his name the main scroll guy who helps them out Talos or something tal is that yeah talos um he is funny He (laughs) he is funny he when they're asking him about like what it takes to shape shift he was you know he's like you know, it takes some practice. Like, everyone can do it, but, you know, I have to see it first. It takes some practice and, dare I say, talent. Like, oh, dude, that's pretty good. Because it's, I think in that sense, he's pretending, he's, like, kind of making commentary on actors, you know? Yeah. Where he's being, like, kind of pretentious to say that it takes, like, serious talent to become somebody else. I thought it was a witty commentary. Like, it was. I, I liked it. Yeah,
1: no, he was funny. He was good.
0: Which yeah. did make the transition from he's, in, but he's a bad guy to a good guy that much easier. I definitely saw his race as, you know, a marginalized alien race. So, it, you know, it, it, it worked. The twist worked. But yeah. at the same time, what's the opportunity cost from the Exactly.
1: exactly. And I mean, I feel like, like what you were saying earlier about how Marvel kind of is formulaic and stuff. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I feel like Marvel's always kind of pushing the boundaries. There's always stuff about like visuals and like superhero genre in general where they're always pushing it to like a new level or giving you something that you never knew that you wanted. And I feel like this movie doesn't really do that. Like from the standpoint of of her being a female, sure. But as a standpoint of her being an interesting character or telling a unique story, I don't know if it does that. It doesn't really push the boundary like everything else does. It's like uh, when Disney makes a new Star Wars movie. If it doesn't break a new record, then it failed. That's what I feel like. That's what that's the expectations I have for Marvel. If it doesn't totally exceed my expectations, then it failed. And that's what I feel like this movie is. So I don't. So, you know, I don't think this is a bad movie. I don't think it's like necessarily harmful or like necessarily bad. In any, in any sort of way, but it certainly doesn't hold live up to the expectations that I've been expecting from a studio that's been constantly blowing my mind for 10 years. And, like, if, if you love Carl Danvers and you think she's badass and awesome, I agree with you, she is, but she deserves to be in a better movie than this one.
0: Fair enough. And I thought that Captain Marvel, if they were going to do a movie like this, was a safe choice, because I, just based on my pre-existing knowledge of who Captain Marvel is, I was like, okay, this will be... They can make a good movie, a compelling movie about Captain Marvel who hasn't been in anything yet. I know there's been mm-hmm. references or whatever, but she hasn't really been in anything yet. And yeah, I guess my I was a little bit disappointed that they tried to substitute the whole uh, women's empowerment and um, the diversity angle in lieu of making something that's more ambitious from like a cinematic perspective.
1: I yeah I agree I don't think those things are mutually exclusive at all. Me neither. Yeah. I don't think those things necessarily like um, detract from the the other thing. And I think the fact that you're gonna you lean on that, it shows that you're not really you don't really believe in what you're what you're pitching. Okay. You want to move on to our cool Easter eggs? Yes. All right. So obviously in between when this uh I guess when this movie came out and the last one came out, Stan Lee passed away. Um, so there was a kind of a, a couple of tributes to Stan Lee in this one, in, in addition to his um, uh, cameos in every movie. Right. So at the very beginning, uh, they have the Marvel like studios thing where they show like pages from, or not pages, but clips or like tiny um, still frames from the the movies. And this time, instead of like the superheroes, it was all Stan Lee, which was uh, really cool. It and, was really cool. And they had a little thing at the end that said "Thank you, Stan" or something like that. That was really really great.
0: Yeah, Stanley's great, and he uh, his Twitter account is still being used by Disney to promote the movies. That's, that's so disturbing, wait, isn't it? And well, and obviously, <laughs> I think he was still alive when they were filming this movie, right? Yeah, so, I think so. So because I was actually surprised to see a Stanley cameo in the film. I, I think was like, he'll,
1: I'm pretty sure he'll be in endgame as well i think they were still they were filming that at the same time as they're filming the first one
0: right so there will be a few where he's still in it but it, i think it brings up the possibility that they may have like, had contingency plans moving forward and so they have like cheeky little ways where he'll continue to be in the movies and i'm wondering how do you feel about that
1: okay it depends on what it is okay if it's like internet comic comment etiquette's uh running gag where he has a he has an old old footage of himself with different haircuts where he talks to him about celebrity deaths that's okay with me because it's like they they set up this whole idea they have a, a catalog of cameos that they can use they can green screen them into any situation you know i think that's funny i think that's clever and it gives a good way like another great tribute to someone who gave us so much if they're just going to cgi place him into things. Like he's um, CGI Paul Walker or uh, Grand Moff Tarkin? What's his name? Um, I can't remember his name. Peter Weller or something? That's not right. Um, but Tarkin, yeah, you know, yeah, in, yeah, in uh, Rogue One. Then I'm I I disagree with that because that's that's not he's not there representing himself. You know, someone drew him.
0: Right. I, I feel like it's it's Mickey Mouse who's like you know, I'll let you like you'll stop making me money when I say you can die, old man. <laughs> like. <laughs>
1: like you you can't sleep when you're dead Uh
0: (laughs) um but yeah so it did make me feel a little bit uneasy that he was in this one just because i know he's dead and i'm like whoa but it makes sense he's still alive when they're making this film so i just i'm interested to see how they'll go with that moving forward because it was great having him in those films but i don't i don't necessarily yeah we don't need to go cgi paul walker in every movie just no. to keep Stan, the stanley meme going maybe that can be just like a um whatever phases one through three of the mcu like just that right 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 uh, and everything else after that yeah yeah well do i feel like else.
1: So they, they have his name in there or like they have some other reference to him
0: sure but it doesn't have to yeah. literally be him unless exactly. unless it's internet common etiquette style in which case definitely do that that would be so amazing
1: <laughs> they just have like a, a vault full of stan lee standing in front of a green, green screen saying cheeky things yeah <laughs> That would be so great. Uh, okay, so, but, but there is something a little bit different about this cameo, which I didn't catch. My dad actually caught this. We saw the movie together. Um, so he's, he's on the bus, right? And he's reading a script for Mallrats, which is a movie that he actually appeared in. It's a Kevin Smith movie. So in this situation, it's, it's kind of implied that he is playing himself. Oh. Where in every other cameo, he's just random bus driver random delivery guy random guy in the street you know he's just a man and this one he is stanley that's cool yeah like that too okay so a couple other things first of all when um uh captain marvel first lands in blockbuster by the way i used to work in a blockbuster so i really like that shout out nice 90s um,
0: job dude <laughs> thanks only 90s kids had that job that's right <laughs>
1: Um, she picks up a copy of The Right Stuff, which was a 1983 movie about astronauts.
0: Oh, um, I was so, wondering why she picked, because it, it was kind of like in your face, like her just picking that up and setting it back I, down. I,
1: have, I haven't seen the movie in a long time, but I'm pretty sure they used, they were fighter pilots who became astronauts, just okay. like she was a fighter pilot who became space lady. So
0: cool. Easter egg.
1: Yeah, cool. uh, the, uh, the last one is Goose the cat. Um, if you've seen Top Gun, then you'll get this reference immediately because one of the main characters is named Goose. Um, and so he's like a cat who works at the, or lives at the Air Force Academy or whatever the place is. Um, so that's that's his whole deal. Right. I never but, trusted that cat, by the way. I knew he wasn't a cat as soon as I saw him.
0: Well, <laughs> the, the thing is, why um, are all pilots like huge Top Gun fans? I feel like that's a a thing that gets associated. Top with Gun pilots. has
1: been used as like a marketing tool, or has it, has been like attributed to um, getting more people into the Air Force than like anything else.
0: Really? Yeah. Uh, okay. Fair. Yeah. Um. Because it's very famous. I used to. There was a roller coaster at Carowinds, uh, which is the on the border of North and South Carolina. It was the theme yeah. park I went to the most in my life. And all right, I've currently gone to him. I'm not dead, but it's
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're not Stan Lee. You're not. Gonna that they, might have been. Too, that might have been too soon. Too right.
0: soon. Too soon. <laughs> but anyways, uh, they have they had a Top Gun ride there that was based on the film. And uh, oh, that's cool. It, I mean, it wasn't any more based on the it, like. It didn't have like uh what's his name there uh, Mission Impossible man. Brad uh, uh, Tom, Tom Tom Cruise. Cruise. They he has not like, running. Yeah, it didn't have like Tom Cruise. It wasn't powered by him, like running on a hamster wheel. Yeah. But but it was a ride and it was super cool and uh yeah it's very transcendent uh that film so okay I I'll, I'll accept it because I, I thought it was kind of patronizing I was like okay they're in the air force so they like Top Gun roll my eyes but at the same time it does sound like it is something that at the very if it promotes recruitment for the air force then it would make a lot of sense to be a big fan it's like being a fan of the NFL if you're in the army you know because they always yeah. do the salute to soldiers and stuff so. Um, okay I, i'll take it goose
1: all right so let's um move on to our quotes we don't really have that many normally we have a lot but i mean because we couldn't actually like get the actual quotes from this movie um we don't have them in real life but we also kind of feel like there weren't that many quotes in this movie that were quotable honestly
0: did we have any Joey?
1: i have one um it's when uh the Supreme intelligence is confronting Carol, Carol Danvers. And she says, without us, you're only human, which was a really cool moment because then you saw like her remembering all the times that she fell and then got back up. And she's like, yeah, that's right. I am a human. And like humans are great. Uh, uh, what's the Alex Jones say? I'm human
0: and I'm coming. I'm coming. (laughs) (laughs) That's so right. I'm glad you invoked Alex Jones, uh, for the uh, Captain Marvel movie, two things that go well together. (laughs) <laughs> but I, well, I'm glad you brought up the Supreme Intelligence because I think we should, uh, you know, talk about that a little bit. I, okay. I think the Supreme Intelligence this is a really cool idea.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Have we seen the Supreme or Supreme Intelligence already in the MCU or any not reference? Not as it? far
1: as we know. Not, not as far as I know. It's possible, but I I haven't seen it.
0: Right, but I I just think it's a really cool. Uh, concept is you you invent the singularity and then the singularity like creates its own civilization that it interfaces with which is i think kind of cool it's an interesting take on the singularity
1: yeah um, have you seen that show travelers on netflix i have not um so spoilers for travelers at least season one um they it's a it's a movie about it's not a movie it's a show about um time travelers people are sent one-way trips to the to the past um and they have to do all these missions and stuff and they can kind of communicate with the future. And it's like, it's kind of weird, but the movie, the show is really, really good. Um, and does a lot of things well. And one of the things, one of the big twists at the end of season one is that the, uh, the director, the one that they, that is assigning the missions and giving them the, um, uh, the stuff they need and sending them back is a, an AI that they invented. Sick. So it's like, so like the AI like, they, they've created this AI and are like, we need to fix the past and it it's now it exists like outside of time and it can like send people back and forth through time and uh, do all sorts of crazy stuff so yeah i really um that re- this reminded me of that a little bit
0: well it's it just i'm wondering if we're going to see the supreme intelligence in end game because mm-hmm. just like we saw with age of ultron when you create the singularity it can get really freaking powerful it's it's not like i think it's interesting that it's kind of like a benevolent leader but it definitely also has its own agenda so i'd be interested to see how that turns out because it could potentially be a really powerful force because it is quote unquote the singularity i don't really know the extent of its abilities but it definitely seems pretty powerful and those were some of my favorite like trippy scenes that in this movie which was interfacing with the uh the intelligence there like the scene where she gets slammed up against the wall and then sinks underneath it now she's underwater dude that was cool. That was good. Yeah, some effects. really, really
1: good visuals in this movie. Really top notch stuff. Which you come to expect from a movie like from a studio like this.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, Joey, I think you know what time it is.
1: It is time for us to go a little deeper, 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 deeper. deeper. Okay,
0: so I want to talk
1: about a couple things. First thing I want to talk about is the Superman problem. I don't know if this is actually what it's called, but this is what I call it. So Captain Marvel is so powerful, why should we care? This is the same problem that Superman from the DC universe has. I, I pose this question to you. It's a little bit rhetorical, but who is braver? The invulnerable man who saves 100 orphans moments before an epic catastrophe or the lone policeman who goes into a burning building alone to save a couple of drug addicts? Who is making the bigger sacrifice? Which story is more compelling and inspiring? The best Superman stories are the ones where he, where he has to deal with the ramifications of being basically a god watchman does this so well with captain of manhattan um well not captain manhattan uh what dr manhattan yes he's i mean he's this all-seeing all-knowing intelligence um that used to be a person but once he gains all this power he ceases to be human and he like um can't even relate to humans and on, on any sort of level he sees them as like ants or like tiny bacteria he doesn't he doesn't care. And because the things that he worries about are so beyond human comprehension that he's literally not human anymore. One Punch Man that anime does a really exceptional job of exploring the the problems with Superman because he's this really, really powerful superhero and he deals with existential threat like existential threats all the time, but they don't cause him any sort of like feeling. The reason he got into being a superhero is to he does it for fun. He does it to save people. Um, Because he thinks that's a fun thing to do but he's lost his spark he's lost the the emotional drive to do this because every time he tries to fight someone he defeats them in literally one punch so he's like he's constantly like battling this idea that he's too strong for this world and no threat that comes to us or he faces has is a threat at all no matter what it does he's always going to just defeat it in one punch and he's like it's just disappointing and it's like heartbreaking for him i think i think man of steel does a a, has a really solid attempt i don't that movie is okay i give it like a 50 50 you know it's um it does a really good job of at least attempting to make superman interesting but notice in that movie he faces like a couple of other beings that are also kryptonians they also are is equal in strength and he only defeats them because he's like he has a force for good he's like You know, he has the support of the people around him. You know, they show all these things that show how he's different or why he might be better than these other people in the story. And that's the only reason I can feel like I can excuse Carl Danvers and her super superpowers. They have they have this really existential threat, which is Thanos. So it makes sense to bring in someone as big as Captain Marvel. But the movie has nothing close to this movie has nothing close to Thanos in it. And I think Thanos is also a problem for the same exact reasons. I mean, how can they possibly change like defeat someone who can just change people into bubbles or can teleport at will or can control time or minds or souls or whatever else you know like sure, they got some nice guns on Bree, but I don't know what they're gonna do exactly. like is she just gonna blast him with her photon hands and then that's gonna do it? I don't know like I don't know how that's supposed to fit together exactly like I don't see them as necessarily equals, but I do understand the the appeal of bringing in a very strong person to defeat thanos but there's no thanos in this movie
0: that's true and and that's kind of a symptom of being a part of the mcu is that you are part of the larger picture some movies suffer from it less than others but i think this one definitely uh is one of the ones that is more dependent on you knowing the full story than just being knowledgeable of the events of this one particular movie because there's not a whole lot going on I th- i would argue that the most important development in this movie is that captain marvel takes the chip off her neck right and becomes I mean, that's, mode. that's
1: like that's my next big part is like see what i think they've done here is they've totally overcompensated for her womanness they can't write her as flawed or weak she has to have her she has to have her memories of it like erased she has to be lied to by the men in her life her powers have to be dampened by a chip in her brain so her true potential can never really be realized. And if you think I'm exaggerating, look at the other heroes in the Marvel Universe. You have people like Tony Stark, who was a hedonistic arms dealer with no moral compass, who learns to use his talents for good, for the good of the world instead of using it for his own profit. You have Thor, who starts off as a self-righteous prick, who learns to humble himself and to sacrifice to lo- save the ones he loves. You have T'Challa from Black Panther, who has to learn that the old ways aren't the best ways and he sees that the way he and his father have ran the kingdom have real flaws. In each of these cases, these, ther- these characters go start off as strong but flawed. They have to learn a lesson. They have to overcome an obstacle within themselves before they can truly defeat the evil that faces them physically. Carol doesn't really have an arc in this. Her mo- her life is dictated by others. Her arc is basically, uh, I remembered something and that I forgot and then she keeps doing what she's always been doing fighting the bad guys when she learns that she's been lied to you know she kind of makes a pivot right she says oh like I was doing I was fighting for the wrong side but she doesn't ever have to face the consequences of like killing those scrolls you know she doesn't have to face the consequences of you know, blowing a hole in their spaceship and sucking them out into space like and I don't think she necessarily has to either she, she shouldn't have to blame herself for that because like she didn't know But it would have been kind of interesting for her to kind of realize, oh, I've done all these horrible things to people that I thought were the enemy when really they're the people I should be trying to help. Like that, that, that doesn't happen. And honestly, I feel like the only reason that they did this is because she's a woman. It's taboo to show women as weak or as having flaws or anything that makes her, you know, human. And I feel like that's sexism still. It's just more patronizing. I saw this like thing a long time ago that, Really stuck with me about why the world needs feminism, and the idea was like, in video games you don't see a lot of female characters, but every time you see a female character, they represent all of, like all women kind, right? When you, when all of your stories have men in them, men become like the default, and now you can start playing with what kind of men you have, right? Like this, this man has deep psychological trauma. This man is missing an arm. This man like you know he's blind or something like it's what you do is you start commenting on individual like on individuals i guess more so than a grand scheme but when you have so such poor representation like women in video games or women in movies suddenly every woman represents all women and what you end up with is something that's like something like this something that's like oh she can't, she can't be a human. She can't be real. She can't have, like, flaws or, or anything. She can't overcome anything because, like, otherwise we're saying something about women. that makes sense?
0: No, it does. And it's, it's kind of a problem. I can't necessarily blame them for making this movie because they're trying to do it all at once. We've yeah. had, this is the 21st Marvel movie that's included in the MCU. And it's the first time that there's been a female lead. So the pressure is on that not only does this movie have to satisfy and be like considered a good movie, like comparable to the other MCU films, but it also has to pave the way forward for other female leads because if they screw this one up, then there's actual like evidence and be like, okay, that's why we don't have female leads. Remember how much Captain Marvel sucked? You know, that's, that's so they can't have that. So they have to play it safe. And part of that is making, uh, Captain Marvel, Kind of a Mary Sue, like she's just automatically like the best at everything. She's also Captain Marvel, so like it, it, it's still it also it, like is canon. Captain Marvel is yeah. amazing, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the context of this film, it just makes her less interesting because there, she doesn't have any sort of uh, development. She's the only development really is that she remembers that she was already a good person. That's all exactly. that changes. She starts off, like, well, I'm not really sure. I'm pretty sure I'm a good person. And then she gets her memories back. She's like, oh yeah, definitely I'm still a good person. So which isn't it's just not that interesting. So um I am gonna go ahead and kind of move forward into my deeper section, which is okay. um uh, like empowering women by owning men and or or rather owning the men, like kind of like that like like owning the libs, but owning the men yeah, yeah. and the quote from brie larson this movie wasn't made for you so this a lot of people have been attributing brie larson's quote this movie wasn't made for you to captain marvel and they've been saying captain marvel like hates white men and that's (laughs) totally not true so the 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 quote actually comes from a press conference or some event where brie larson was talking about a wrinkle in time a movie that she did previous to this and that movie received mixed reviews i didn't see it did you see it Joey? No, I didn't see it. It uh, apparently white males were the most vocal critics in a negative way, and she said in response to this, "I don't need a 40-year-old white dude to tell me what didn't work about A Wrinkle in Time. It wasn't made for him. I want to know what it meant to women of color, biracial women, to teen women of color." And she continues, "Am I saying I hate white dudes? No, I am not. What I'm saying is if you make a movie that is a love letter to women of color, there is an insanely low chance a woman of color will have a chance to see your movie and review your movie. Which I don't really agree with that last part, but I'm more focused on the, who this movie is made for. Okay, because there's there are some parts of this movie that I felt were a little bit heavy-handed, and I'll I'll, I'll give you some examples. So dealing with the misogynistic biker man. Where he was like, you know, like, oh, like, where's my smile at? <laughs> where's my hug? You know, like that kind of cringy Ugh. dude who thinks, yeah, I, I guess. And, and I think that is something that definitely happens to women. So you get to see that in the movie here. and But you can tell it was put there very intentionally. They're like, this is the one that's about women, okay? Even though she's an intergalactic superhero, biker dudes are still misogynistic to her. You know, men be like, you know? And then... <laughs> later on they're at the kitchen table talking to um captain marvel's friend a friend like her uh, pilot friend and her daughter is there and her daughter's very ambitious and energetic and she's like uh, you don't know like i'll uh, i'll invent a satellite in the future and mm-hmm. they turn to samuel jackson they're like yes samuel jackson she might invent a satellite you don't know you know <laughs> and it's like Okay, you know, I don't think Sam Jackson is really that like opposed to a young kid eventually doing something great one day, but they go out of their way to be like, "Don't you don't start doubting her just cuz she's a woman, Sam Jackson. She can do it." Like she can persist. And again, don't disagree with the message there at all, but it does feel a little bit heavy-handed. It, it feels a little bit inorganic. Uh but, but again, they're putting it in there because they have an audience in mind. The the part where they're like scanning the cat and it's like threat level high, and then they scan yeah. Samuel L. Jackson and it's like human male threat level low, and he's like, Man, that thing's busted, you know. And it's like, Okay, you got the, you got him again, owned men, and because they notice they don't. Scan. I love
1: that stuff though, that reminds me of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy.
0: Well, and again, I, I don't agree with, I don't disagree with the sentiment at all. And I, it was even a funny line too, especially because yeah. you get Sam Jackson, who's such a notable, like badass to be threat level low, you know, it's like, <laughs> Oh, I got him. But at the same time, you look at it in conjunction with all these other things. It's like, Oh, you, you got men again. Cause it could just be like human threat level low. Sure. Oh, that thing's busted, you know, but it's definitely human male, especially when he's sitting right next to another human female, they don't scan her, you know, cause that would ruin the joke again. <laughs> I, I, i'm i'm just no like pointing out the things i noticed and the um the last one was and, and i actually have a question for you about this story arc as well early in the film jude law is like you gotta learn to control your emotions oh yeah 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 did we ever see that come to fruition i never really i don't think so like i don't think he was and that right. would have been
1: that would have like that would have been enough for me honestly and i even though like the women are emotional thing is like is actually totally backwards but is a is a, is a trope you know yes. you hear that all the time that like you know women are women are too emotional for blank or whatever right this is obviously not true but it would have been like i guess that would have been more or like a better or more interesting like take on this if it turns out that she is like she can't control emotions she gets really angry or like she gets like really really passionate about something and then she like makes super stupid decisions and then she has to overcome that and start to think or whatever. But that doesn't really happen. Um, it, you know, she never really has to deal with that. Instead, it turns out that Jude Law is wrong. Like, she's actually not that emotional. She's actually totally in control of
0: everything. Did she learn that he was wrong and that her emotions are good? I don't know. Did she learn to control her emotions and that allowed her to be more powerful? I don't know. It just kind of went nowhere. But we do get kind of a culmination of this like male superior who tells you what to do at the end, where Jude Law is like, All right, time to prove yourself. Don't use your powers. Try to knock me down without it. And she doesn't even waste her time. She just blasts him in the wall, which again is funny and also very logical. Can you imagine if she didn't (laughs) use her powers at that point?
1: I was going to, yeah, I was like, This could go one of two ways. At that moment, I was like, Either she's going to be like, Okay, and then it would be like an epic fight, whatever. But I would also groan because, it's like oh or she would actually do what was what would have been made sense which is just blast him because why did she have to listen to him
0: exactly and and that's just that's my last example of like owning men to to empower women is like I've got nothing to prove to you, Jude Law. Like, men are always expecting women to prove themselves when they should just let women be women, and I I agree with that sentiment as well. So, what I'm trying to get at here, it sounds like I'm complaining, but really what I'm saying is, are these all examples where they're being a little bit heavy-handed in their way of, like, owning men for the purpose of empowering women? I would say maybe, but... Do they know that they're putting this in front of an audience that is ready to see this and wants to see this? Yes. So I think that they made this movie. Yeah, maybe this movie um wasn't made for men in the sense where it wasn't made solely with the purpose of like white men need to approve of this. But that doesn't mean that there wasn't some other audience that they know wants to see this kind of thing that they're trying to, you know, send a message to. So I, I, I don't think that it's necessarily out of place, even if I, as a certain demographic breakdown, feel like it's a little bit heavy handed.
1: Sure. And, um, you know, that's, that's a really good perspective, I think. I think that saying like your space girl, your space lady, uh, her biggest problem is space sexism is I don't know, like, is a disservice, I think, you know, like, yes, sexism is a a problem, and it is, it is something that people have to deal with, but is, like, is that really the most interesting, is that really the most, like, relevant thing for Brie Larson's um, Captain Marvel to have to face, you know, is that the thing that's really holding her back the most, or, or could it be something that's, you know, a little bit more nuanced, something a little bit more interesting, something a little bit more personal, something that's, Make, that brings her down to like that human level the, what I think makes this especially interesting is that Brie Larson is like a really likable actress and she's a very the, her portrayal of Captain Marvel is very human and very like relatable but the character as written doesn't really fall into that category um, so it's hard for it makes it hard for you it doesn't make you hard to like her it makes it hard for you to believe that, there's, that she has to overcome anything
0: Right. And I think it does uh, slightly a disservice to her because the cards are like stacked in her favor, right? And it, because they want so badly yes. to have this respectable female superhero that they can look look up to. but uh, it, you know, once she's gotten that status, it's like, did she really? earn it the same way the other superheroes did you know like I used to really not like Thor but eventually mm-hmm. Thor Ragnarok changed my mind because that movie's freaking spectacular and, and Thor is amazing in it and I'm not saying that you have to make her Thor or, or, or even do the same thing but when you just say okay she because she is our first female lead we're going to make her basically impervious and no flaws and make sure that her movie is full of all this stuff that's like hey remember the lead is a woman in this movie remember that um, then I would say that you're kind of doing a disservice because you don't you're saying that she can't carry the weight on her own, just on the merits of yes. being a superhero movie that happens to be led by a woman.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, why why not make it? Why not give her that kind of arc? You know, why not build her, uh, have her build her way up there? I mean, the the quote I always hear, or I have, I, I believe in. I guess I've only heard it once, but something that I really internalized is Marvel is about um, humans learning to be heroes and dc is about heroes learning to be human i feel like captain marvel feels like she was born a hero in a way and she's she has to learn to be human even though she has human-like qualities she doesn't she doesn't have that human-like flaw you know that that human-like um what i don't understand what i'm trying to say the that quality that makes her like a human i guess
0: sure and and I don't want this to weigh too heavily as a criticism on this film, though, because this movie exists so much in the real world as opposed to some other movies, which you can look at just from a face value. This one is very much a response to women's play- perceived place in society at this very moment in the last sure. couple of years, especially with things like the election of Donald Trump, the Me Too movement. There's uh, you know, Time's Up, Hollywood, all that stuff, I think, plays into the creation of this movie, because let's take a look at women in Marvel. Marvel films so remember this is the 21st MCU film first one that has a female lead and, and that what I'm saying is her name is the name of the movie just like yeah. so many other male superheroes have even had sequels also the same case uh, so we've got Scarlet Witch we've got Okoye from Black Panther we've got Valkyrie from Thor Ragnarok um, Black Widow from the Avengers mariah hill if you want to count her as a superhero or main oh, character. robin
1: from uh, how much robin
0: Radio? it's really just robin scherbatsky in avengers and uh then we've also got the ancient one was in doctor strange uh, that's
1: right uh who, who is that actress definitely Um, she
0: was definitely uh not the most popular actress because people got offended that they whitewashed that role because it's supposed to be an asian man but in a in an attempt to be more inclusive they made it a white woman which was apparently offensive too
1: but she's kind of androgynous
0: she's um the one who played her or what her character's name is yeah because she's the she's the white witch or the the witch from tilda swindon tilda swindon yeah she's from um that's right she's the white witch in (laughs) ronald's Right, and uh, then we've also Very got right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hela from Thor, Gamora, Nebula, and Mantis from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. We've got uh, Proxima Midnight, who was a villain in Infinity War. So I guess what I'm trying to get across here with this list is even in this like low-representation universe... Wasp
1: from um, Atman and the Wasp.
0: Oh, that's true, yeah. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, Um, it surprises me that it took 21 movies to get a female lead because it already seems like the MCU is pretty inclusive.
1: Yes, and each of those characters has like flaws and interesting arcs and like has perspectives that um change and you know adapt as circumstances come to fruition. Right, they have to learn to trust. They have to learn to be brave. They have to learn to kind of you know be more like the other people in their lives. They have to be, learn to overcome their, their, um, their problems. And they do that in the background of these other movies. And they do such a, a great job. Um, and that's why it's so baffling to me that, that this movie doesn't do that in the same way.
0: Right, I came into this movie with the full... I had faith that Marvel wasn't going to be uh, super heavy handed with like the feminist angle because I've already felt like the MCU is pretty equal. There's good diversity. They have male and female characters. But, again, this is just harping in on one statistic, but we have had this many movies, an outrageous amount of movies, and none of them have been led by a woman. So, uh, just I think that being the like lead character in an MCU film is a lot like being the President of the United States. I'm absolutely certain that either either gender is capable of doing it. But it yes. is a little bit weird that we've made it this far and none of them have been women yet, okay? It feels like something is up. So yes, so I think that having, like this movie was a result of a lot of external forces that were saying this type of movie needs to be made. And Marvel, being part of Disney, is the type of company that will say, you know what, we'll let that influence our film. And you can decide if that's for the better or for the worse uh, based on who you are personally what you think of letting external forces like there's a lot of factors in there but you have to consider that because it yeah. it, it is something that i marvel took a look at what the, the public and their audience is asking for and they gave it to them
1: but what about like wonder woman i feel like wonder woman does this job so like with almost so much better than this movie like because diana in that movie right she's she's super powerful she's even more powerful than the like the Amazons, where she grew up, right? right? And she goes out and, like, fights this war and everything. And she, that movie is pretty traditional. I mean, it has this traditional three-act structure, or, I guess, four-act structure. And then um, she... It, but at the end, right, she turns out that she's made mistakes, and she's, like, she's way... She has a kind of very simplistic view of how the world works, and she has to learn that it's more complicated than that, and that, you know, it's not as easy as just swinging your sword around. And... Like she turns out to be better for it, right? And she's still just as powerful and just as strong as she was at the beginning. But she's come away with a better understanding of how the world works and what kind of role she can play in it. And I I just don't get that feeling from this movie. I feel like she's uh, she very easily transcends the problems that are presented to her. Uh, I mean, Captain Marvel is. And uh, I mean, when she faces Thanos, I'm sure that's going to change. Um, But at least in this movie, it doesn't feel like there's anything that even remotely gives her trouble.
0: And yeah, you're definitely right. Maybe I think it would have been nice for them to focus a little bit harder on making this movie a standalone. But at this point in the MCU, I think that's also kind of a lot to ask. So it's uh, but they've
1: been balancing that for such a long time. You know, they've done such a good job up to this point,
0: up to this (laughs) point. But that's why I'm so excited for Endgame. Captain Marvel yeah. will be fresh in our minds when we sit down to see the conclusion, and maybe we'll see maybe maybe it'll be worth it when we see what happens there but it is contingent on what happens next, which I think does take away a little bit from this film
1: yeah and i I mean just for the record I'm not really willing to die in this hill i'm I think this movie is i think this movie has good aspects to it and it definitely isn't bad it's just disappointing that it doesn't like reach the same level as as other Marvel movies have and um It doesn't give you, doesn't make Captain Marvel as compelling as I believe that she deserves to be.
0: I I feel that way too. And, uh, but I also can't blame a people for thinking this is one of the best Marvel movies because they finally get to see themselves on the screen.
1: Hey, you're welcome to your opinion. I'm not going to disagree with that.
0: And, uh, right. They're welcome to that opinion. And and I also just can't blame Marvel for making it because they're like, oh, people are going to like this. So, um, but yeah, it could have, it could have reached a little bit higher now on to the important subject. Okay. De aging Samuel Jackson. <laughs> what did you think? I actually was impressed. I was impressed too. I did. I hardly noticed. I was. Yeah. I mean, he definitely looked younger. Yeah. And it was. It didn't. For me, it didn't like take me out of the moment. It didn't feel like um Tarkin in Star Wars, where you're like, okay, first off, obviously fake, and second off, weird. In this one, do you
1: it, do. You, do you know if was it like CGI?
0: It was. It was Marvel's first time de-aging somebody for the entire oh. movie. That was like a feat that this movie accomplished. Oh,
1: I didn't know that. I I it honestly looked really good. I I wasn't paying close attention to his face like I wasn't looking like at his upper lip like I was for Superman and Justice League, but I was um but no, I, I definitely didn't feel like he was uncanny in any sort of way. Maybe in a few years, it'll, that'll change. Well, that's the
0: thing. Samuel <laughs> Jackson is already in every movie. So will is this? Is he the next CGI Paul Walker? Will Samuel Jackson be the most accomplished actor ever? Because in death, he will trans. He will transcend death by instead of just dying and becoming a CGI actor forever. He'll become young again and live out his entire career multiple times over.
1: That of all the you've pitched this a couple of times, and of all the actors that would be most likely to make this happen, it's definitely Sam Jackson. It's definitely Sam Jackson. He's always playing Sam Jackson in all his movies. He's never any other character. <laughs> so, he, <laughs> so he just has to like just get like a thousand recordings of him saying, uh, you know, "Mother Effer" in front of a screen, j- screen a green screen, and then you you're set, you know, and you can start <laughs> reusing those, and people would never notice.
0: Oh yeah, and people love Sam Jackson. He his career has been fantastic.
1: A, he doesn't have to like. Know what movie it is, or like what it is, or like what serious role he's playing, or whatever. you can just be Sam Jackson for a green screen for a little while, and then they're good. Or just you know, I guess get someone else to play him, and then have him be in there and just have all his words.
0: Yeah, get a guy who plays Gollum to be uh, yeah yeah Sam Andy Jackson. Circus to be
1: Sam Jackson. <laughs> That'd be so funny. Can you imagine Andy's Circus as Sam Jackson as Nick Fury? <laughs>
0: Oh my God, we would never need real actors again. You just get all the actors that are in all the stuff and then you just get, you can CGI them to be any age in their whole career.
1: Oh, that's so great. You never
0: <laughs> need anybody new. I hope that they make, now Tarantino, this opens the door for Tarantino to make that Vega Brothers movie. That's right. Because that, that was always the thing. He wanted to make it, but he waited too long and now his actors are too old. Just de-age John Travolta and uh, what's uh, his Michael name? Michael Mann. Michael Mann vega brothers movie perfect all right tarantino you heard it here first from (laughs) us definitely credit us that we gave you the idea to make the Vega Brother movies, Vegas Brother movies, because we know that that's going to be a hit. So uh, <laughs> something that I just wanted to point out, I, I think I honestly I just thought it was done really well. I'm impressed. It kind of changes my perspective on CGIing actors moving forward because I I think maybe Pandora's box has been opened and there's no going back now.
1: I think that's probably true. um The uh, whether it's done well or not, I don't think people are gonna complain <laughs> too much. Um, I, I did see, it didn't seem like some of the scrolls had like prosthetics or something. Like it seemed like they were wearing masks. Or something. It seemed they seemed practical. Um, I don't know. Maybe they're just that good at it now. But it's, it definitely seemed like they were. They had stuff on their faces and stuff. So that was that was pretty good. It didn't, it looked good.
0: The whole movie did, and that's something that you can't fault this movie for. The the visuals were absolutely stunning. Oh yeah, which it, is it something we've come to expect from Marvel. So I uh I, yeah, they definitely delivered on that aspect. But okay. I think this is going to bring us to the end of our Captain Marvel discussion. It's time for our ratings. Joey, why don't you go first?
1: Okay, I, um, I gave this movie one eye permanently closed.
0: <laughs> very nice. Yeah, they were actually kind of like not like they, they weren't very uh, sympathetic to uh, Nick Fury when he lost his eye. Like, they it had, was to, kind, like, it was they kind had to do it in a way
1: that was really unexpected, though, right?
0: I actually didn't know that we didn't know how he lost his eye.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: I didn't no, know I that until that. they did that. And now it's like, oh, I guess that's how he lost his eye. Because at first it's the car wreck and they're like, how's your eye? And it's all red yeah, and yeah. like messed up. <laughs> but it turns out it's fine. And then the way he loses it is that the cat scratches his eye. But he's not like, oh, oh, my eye. It's like. Well,
1: he just got like, infected or something with alien got, parasites or something.
0: Is that what happened? I don't know. I, I, I see it took a while
1: for it to happen, and it's then just, he, his eyes are gone.
0: Yeah, and it's just people are kind of like having a having a goof with him. It's like, hey, uh, ha, have fun picking out your glass eye, you. Yeah, but he told him that Cyclops. he lost him in
1: some like you know badass accident. You know, like he was it wasn't some tragedy where he just looked at a cat too close.
0: <laughs> right, <laughs> but I guess. I don't know. I feel like it could have been met with a little more sympathy, but uh, you know, that's who he is. It helps to cl- complete the image. I
1: mean, that's that's just Marvel in general too. It's like you know, it's all it's always whimsical.
0: Sure. Uh, my rating is a set of training wheels that have been taken off oh because
1: abandoned training wheels very nice
0: yeah because that's that's what this movie is captain marvel has been unleashed and now we get to see her in all her glory also how about not getting in the spaceship even though you're going to the same place like all right chill out <laughs> <laughs> i thought she was gonna have to push it because they couldn't go life
1: speed right that, that's what i had to do so she's just she's just gonna push him
0: <laughs> <laughs> she probably could but I, I was when she like went up next time i was like okay what if you guys Light speed to the different places how are you going to communicate with them yeah you're you're uh you're you're super at flying not super at like <laughs> telecommunication so that's what if true you lost like, in space and the
1: at the beginning when they're like their comms aren't working like they're getting static and stuff all i could think about is like whenever we're trying to record a podcast and the internet starts to go out <laughs> <laughs> like benjamin i can't hear you i can't hear you
0: oh yeah which oh god that that whole like that whole scene was kind of weird. The, like, Anyways, we're, I'm getting back into it. We finished our ratings. That's good stuff. Um, w- let's talk about what's next because we were trying to have an episode with our good friend Dylan Thompson uh, where he was going to join us to do eighth grade, and we still might do that next week, but yeah. we haven't gotten confirmation on that. So what would we be doing if Dylan doesn't get back to us, Joey?
1: We're going to be doing a documentary called Terms and Conditions May Apply.
0: Which is going to be our first documentary. And I'm not very tenured at watching documentaries, but I've heard about so many good ones. They're so accessible. So I want to get into it.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a good time.
0: Okay, well, that is it for Captain Marvel. I, uh, I'm glad that we were able to talk about something that just came out. Hopefully yeah. people are going to be excited to you know hear this. And, um, oh! Also, we should probably mention that our raffle is still going on, our Raffle Chat. chat. Yes, definitely uh, enter into that. All you have to do is go to Affable Chat on iTunes and leave us a review. Give us five stars and write something nice. Make sure you include your email address or your Twitter account in your review so that we have a way to contact you. Uh, Joey, do you want to tell them what they can win?
1: Yes, you can win uh, three DVDs of movie, of any movie from our catalog of episodes, uh, some popcorn, some movie theater style candy, and a custom signed card.
0: And I that custom signed card, I know there's some great prizes in there. That custom signed card, though, you're gonna want this. That's the
1: cream of the crop
0: for your collection. Okay, this in uh, you the thing is in years from now this w- this will be s- worth so much money but at the same time you'd never sell it because it's absolutely a collector's item. There's no monetary amount that you could possibly accept to part with this kind of custom card, okay? I'm not overselling it. She's <laughs> <So, is> not. <laughs> we we need all of our submissions in by March the 16th. That's uh Saturday, March the 16th as we will be recording our episode likely on march 17th and we're going to be announcing the winner on our 52nd episode so if you want to win you got to enter in the entries have already been flooding in so it's time to get you don't want to miss out on this go ahead and submit that review make sure you include your contact info in your description joey i think that's that's enough plugs for this episode definitely for apple chat i'm benjamin and i'm joey thanks for listening thanks for listening to Affable chat we're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. If you have a question, comment, or want to request something for us to talk about, you can reach us at our Twitter account, at Affable Chat, or our email, affablechat at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.